Buenos dias. You know, the, the drill for me for these bilingual services is always the same. I make a phone call, and I make the phone call to Elisa Martinez, and she never ever lets me down. And this time, instead of calling, I just send a text message. And I said this, hey Elisa, it's Bilingual Sunday again. You know what that means, dot, dot, dot. Will you be my translator? My translator who preaches better than I do. And she said, I sure do. I mean, I sure will. Elisa, would you stand up? Not everybody knows you. But you all should know Elisa because she is as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. And Andres has told me that the... Uh, the, the, the Spanish, our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters here, that they much prefer her preaching to either mine or his. <laughs> Let's pray. Abba, Abba Father. We call you Abba because that's what he called you. And we are always just your little children all of us. And when we need a hug, you're there with the hug. And like a good father, you play with us, you're playful with us sometimes. But more than anything else, in every way, you show us your love. And we thank you. We thank you for your love. Abba, we know that there is more. That with you there is always more. And that there's more than any of us can ever bring to the table. That you are present. That you're not an absent father. But you're a good father who is present with us. And that you don't just throw things at us but you open your arms to us and you say, come to me, child. So we come to you this morning, Father, and we bless you because of your presence over us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. There is more. That's what the world needs to hear. That there is more, more than what we bring to the table. That there is more. That we don't just simply have to share what's about God, but we have the actual love of God in us, in our lives, that we can share. And what a blessing that is. I, I want to... Before I get any further into this lesson, just to throw out a couple of things at you. You know, the kingdom of God is a great adventure. We've got all kinds of adventures going this summer. We've got 
mission trips to, to Mexico. I'm going with Andres to, to Mexico, and then there are trips to Greece and to Africa. And isn't that incredibly exciting? Uh, you know, like, and, you know, you can cover that in prayer if you aren't going. But what an incredible opportunity to just really have some amazing God experiences. And, and you know you, you will if you do. I also, I want to invite anybody that might be interested. I have, like, dear friends uh, in, over at Lifeline Church, and they are putting on on April the 4th a, it's called the J2 Project, but what, what it involves is a chaplaincy tra training for Christians, like what we can do in disasters. And we've often responded to disasters at, at Singing Oaks. Well, this, this is about how you can do that as a Christian, how you can just show up with a bottle of water and, and compassion. Because, you know, governments can provide food and water and services, but only Christians can provide Jesus. Only Christians can provide genuine compassion. And that'll be on April the 4th. And anybody who's interested, I've invited all the Cardia people, but just any, anybody out here, if you'd be interested in this, it's all day and it's some of the best people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that are going to be leading this. Also, many of you have already been in the class with, with Bo on the story. I, I want to really encourage anybody who can to go to that. I think you're not too late if you missed this week. But you know, it's so important that we get into our own God stories. Because it's not just the big dramatic stories that, that count. Everybody here has a story of how you got here. And I guarantee you that story has his fingerprints on it. And Bo is leading a, a class in just how to, how to tell your own spiritual autobiography. I want to encourage you to do that. You know, we've got to get in touch with what God has, has done in us. That deposit that, uh, that Paul talks about of the spirit that is within us. We need to get in touch with that. Well, we're here for a short time, but that time is significant. Our lives are, are short, but our lives are significant. And I want to, I want to talk about that over the, the coming weeks, about time and what that time means. You know, time is it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere, isn't it? I've got it. We've got it in our pockets, in our purses, on our wrists, on our mantel shelves, on our walls, on the dashboards of our cars, we've got reminders of what the time is. And we, and we count the years and the months and the days and the hours and the minutes and even the seconds of time. Time is of the essence. And time is experienced at different ages uh, in different ways. When you're, you're 20, you know that you're immortal and you're going to live forever. And it's a great feeling. Yeah, they're all nodding their heads and grinning over here. Well, it's true. It, it, 
it feels that way. And then when you're 40, you, you experience it uh, a little differently. And then 60 and 80, like through the years of our lives, we, we come to see time a little differently. But time is of the essence. Time is important. Paul says this in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's such an interesting phrase to me, redeeming the time. How do you redeem time? I mean, you could go to a pawn shop and you could redeem something that you've pawned. You can get it back, right? You can go and, and you can redeem it. How do you get time back? It just doesn't seem that you could. But it, it depends on what, you, what kind of time. See, in, in Greek, there are two, two words for time, or at least two words, but um, two main ones. Chronos is times and dates. You know, we get our word chronological out of that. We get our word chronometer out of that. It, it, it's clock time. But then there's another word for time, and it's called it's kairos. And what kairos is, is significant time. It, it's like those times when everything seems to slow down into slow motion because what you're going through is really of critical importance. And, th and that's what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians. He said, there are times that try men's souls. There are times that are really important, and, and you've, got to, you've got to redeem those times. <coughs> that there are the God moments and you need to be there in those moments time is not circular time is going in a direction that's what we believe that's not what the ancients believed and that's that's not how a lot of people experience time like time just goes round and round and round and you're just caught in the same old, same old, and you're caught in a circle. But if you are in a cycle, if you're caught in a cycle, God wants to break you out of the cycle. He wants to redeem the time. He wants to break you out of the, the cycle and to take you on a journey with him, a journey that will have ups and downs and twists and turns, but a journey that is going somewhere. It's not just going round and round. And God wants you to walk with him. You know, this is one of, one of these things, I think, where we always remain little children, that we're all, always just crying out to Abba. How can it be? that the God of the universe would walk with me. How can that be? It's not something you can get your head around. It, 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 it's, it's not something by human reason that you can get to. You know, I, I was out the, the other night, it was Tuesday night, 
And I was, I went out, I was under, under a street lamp and it was a really lovely evening and the stars were all out and it was a, pretty much a full moon. And, you know, and I was just out there and I was talking to God and it just, it felt great. And I actually, I actually stood out there and I, I thought to myself, I haven't felt like this since I fell in love. That, that same kind of magical feeling. Because the kingdom of God is magical. And, and then I got to thinking about it, like those stars out there. You know, our, our, our galaxy, the Milky Way, is 100,000 light years across. Like light at 186,000 miles per second takes 100,000 years to cross the Milky Way. And our next door neighbor galaxy, Andromeda, is one million light years away from us. Like they are close by. And the galaxies are in clusters. And the distances between the galactic clusters are in the order of a hundred times to a thousand times the distances between the galaxies. So anywhere from like a hundred billion light years. Um, I mean, a hundred million light years, I'm sorry, to a billion light years apart. What kind of a God? What kind of a God did this? And yet, I stood there under that full moon and I thought, he knows me. He knows me. He knows you. You know, the next, next morning, Wednesday, this past Wednesday morning, I, I was really blessed. Sometimes, you know, God will just bless you with a phone call. I got this, this phone call, and I, I didn't recognize the number, but I, I answered it. And it's uh, William Catherine was calling me, sitting right over there, and uh, hadn't met w uh, William. He'd been and heard Brandon preach last Sunday, and he was going nuts over Brandon. He was like, man, I, I heard Brandon. Oh, that was powerful. That was so powerful. And oh, man, I'm so excited about your church. And, 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 he, and then he said, you know, and I've been listening to your sermons, and I believe in where you're going. I see where you're going, and, and I believe in it. And, you know, I'm going, thank you, God. And, and, and then, then William says to me, could I pray over you? you know, William, you, you're an elder over at Denton Christian, right? Am I right? He says, could I pray over you over the phone? And I, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you pray over me. You do it right now. And he prayed over me and referenced one of the Psalms, and he referenced God's thoughts about us. And, and it's just incredible, and as soon as, we, you know, as soon as he ended the prayer, I said, which Psalm, which Psalm, which Psalm? I gotta get that Psalm. 
It's 139, verses 16 through 18, and it's the Passion Translation. By the way, you need the Passion Translation, especially for the Psalms. You saw who created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I wake each morning, you're still with me. I, I, I don't know. If those aren't the most beautiful words ever written, they've got to be awfully close. God wants to be close to you. He is close to you. It's not just that he wants it. He is. And all you have to do is open up to that. All you have to do is step into that reality and to live into that reality in order to experience it more. Moses was a man who experienced that reality. Moses had a relationship with God that, well, Exodus 33, uh, 11 says it. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. As one speaks to a friend. It is possible to have a relationship with God where you can speak to him as a friend, not as God most high. Oh, God, you are so high. You're so much higher than us. But God, your friend. Your God, your friend, with so many thoughts about you. With so many thoughts about what he wants for you. God wants you as a friend. Now, it's interesting to me, when we talk about our God stories just exactly what Moses' God story was like. You know, Moses was a late bloomer. He was a really late bloomer. Like after he escaped the murder rap at age 40 from Egypt, he had 40 years as a shepherd until he had this encounter. I mean, Exodus 3, verses 1 through 4. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, hmm, I'll go over and see this strange sight the bush doesn't burn up. And when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. 
Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. I don't know about you, but when I imagine this passage, and I, I just can't help it, I see Charlton Heston, and it's the, the Ten Commandments, and he's so impressive and so incredibly young-looking for an 80-year-old. Um, and it's, whoa, just an amazing experience. I mean, it's just huge. And it's like, oh, wow, what a God story. Like, nothing to do with me, of course, but a wonderful God story for Moses. But I want to suggest to you, that there's a lesson for us in this encounter. Because I want to tell you, burning bushes are not that big a deal. Bushes spontaneously burn in that part of the world all the time. You've got temperatures of up to 130 degrees out there, and, and you've got certain plants that have a lot of uh, resin in them, and, and, you know, and, and they ignite. It happens. Fires start. Fires start for, for various reasons. So having a burning bush would not be a huge deal. Except this was a weird burning bush. This one didn't burn up. It just kept burning, burning, burning. And, well... I wonder all kinds of things about this. You know, you can go through life and you've just seen it all before, you know? And you just pass by. You go through life and you know that nothing amazing is going to happen because nothing amazing seems to have happened. You can go through life on the assumptions that are based on what hasn't happened rather than what could happen except Moses didn't. There are a lot of unusual things about this story, like a shepherd who is 80 years old, but who hasn't lost his curiosity, right, who goes over to look. And, and, and I, I wonder, questions that come to my mind, had God ever tried to get his attention before? Had there been other burning bushes, but he hadn't, hadn't noticed and he hadn't, he hadn't stopped? to see this. You know, it took something for this 80-year-old shepherd to go and take a look. And, and, and the deal is, you need curiosity to experience the presence of God. And when the curiosity dies, well, your faith has died. Because God is full of all kinds of surprises. And he loves to surprise us. And, and here's Moses, 80 years old. And he's finally ready to do something with his life. It's not too late. And, and, and everything that had gone before, well, it was for a purpose. It was for right now. Now, I wonder, I wonder, have you ever passed the burning bush? 
you need to be on the lookout for your own burning bush. If God's going to show up in your life, how would he do it? How has he done it? You know, I had a great conversation with uh, Caleb Barina uh, a couple of weeks ago. Well, we were talking about this. Wave at them, Caleb. He's, he's one of our new members, and he's sitting with the college group. But, you know, we were talking about this very thing, and, and Caleb said, you know, Ross, what I'm doing now is I'm not saying no. Wherever I used to say no, I'm saying yes. Like if it's something that it's a little out of my comfort zone, I say yes. And I, th I think that, that is really crucial to what's going on here. That we look for God and we get out of that comfort zone. You need curiosity. And, and maybe it didn't take you long or maybe it took you 40 years. It, it's uh, of no consequence. Sometimes God shows up powerfully and sometimes he shows up quietly. But this story is amazing. You know, I mean, it, in less than two years, you've got the children of Israel delivered from Egypt. You've got Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea after the Red Sea parts. You've got all kinds of miracles, and you've got them ready if they would just have the faith to go into the promised land. And it all, all starts with this shepherd and the burning bush. But in chapter 33, after all of these things, the people are still balking. Like, because God, God calls you to an adventure. And sometimes we're, we're not into adventure. We'd rather be comfortable. And, and that was the case with the, with the Israelites. And so here's what happens in, in chapter 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, he promised them a land. And he always keeps his promises, but they're just grouching. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I'll give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. Well, you know, it's an interesting deal that God offers here. Like, they don't want to go through any kind of trials. They don't want to have an adventure. They want to walk in the park, and, the, and God's not giving them a walk in the park. Like, God is giving them a walk with him if they want it. And... He offers them this incredible deal. I will give you anything that I ever promised to you or to your ancestors. I will, I will answer every dream for you. I'll give it to you. My angel will go before you and will kick butt. You won't even have to fight. I'll wipe out the enemies, but then I'm done. 
Well, it's an interesting, it's an interesting option, isn't it? You know, I'd rather imagine an episode of Let, Let's Make a Deal. And it's like, okay, behind door number one, everything you ever wanted, but, uh, but God. Everything you ever wanted, but God's not going to be there with you. Or door number two, blood, sweat, and tears, battles against enemies, giants in the land, but I'll be with you. Which one you want to pick? And I'd be careful how you answer, because I think a lot of the time we pick door number one when God wants us to pick door number two. Moses picked door number two. See, the question is, do you want God's promise or do you want his presence? And here's what Moses says um, in Exodus 33:15. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. That's what God wants us to choose. God wants you to choose his presence over his promise. His presence over anything that he could give you. And I wonder how many times in this life I have achieved the promise and ignored the presence. You know, just do it. We can do it. Ah, as a church we can do it. We've got Jesus in our back pocket, right? We'll just figure out what we're going to do, how we're going to package it, how we'll sell it. Or you can get on your knees and say, God, we, we need your power. We need your presence. We need you to bring repentance to our hearts. We need to love you more. Like, take us on that journey. You know, we're so busy nowadays. How do you even get to the presence of God? Our pockets are buzzing. Our purses are buzzing. Uh, we're in constant meetings. Where do I go to meet God? I wonder sometimes if we have the time to be curious anymore. But I know this. I don't want to go anywhere without his presence. And like with his presence, I'll stay in the wilderness if that's what it has to mean. That's, that is, in fact, what it did mean for Moses. He didn't get to the promised land. But it's one of the heroes of the book. One of the heroes of the book because his heart was always, always, always with the presence of God. See, here's the deal. A future without his presence you will have to sustain. Even if you have a wonderful future lined up, a wonderful future of health and wealth and everything else, you have to sustain it. And it can all be taken away from you anyway in a minute, and it will all be taken away from all of us at some time. Or you can have a future with his presence that he will sustain. Moses chose the latter.
And later in the chapter, he says, I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. That's what it's about. That's what we got to be about. We want to see his glory. We want to know his presence. We, we want to experience the presence of his Holy Spirit. We want to hear his voice. Not simply through scripture, but we want to hear it through scripture, but we want to hear his voice in our own personal walks. So where are you this morning? You need his presence. Maybe you need healing. He promises to heal. Maybe you are in circles, caught in a cycle. He wants to break you out of that cycle. Whatever your spiritual need, will you allow us to pray over you? you come to me, you come to one of our shepherds and their wives, and, and we'll gladly pray over you while we stand and sing.